And we are live with Fatima Thomas. Hello, Fatima. Hello. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, Megan. <laughs> so Fatima is joining us from New York City, from Harlem, yes? Mm-hmm. And she is a MAC Cosmetic Senior National Artist, which I think is so cool. Um, I actually was looking today at what I, I put on. I was like, what is my normal everyday? I don't even know anymore. And the thing that I have to keep in stock all the time is the mineralized skin finish, the powder. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing that too. I'm wearing are that. You? That's you my everyday. That are everyday. Those are my go-tos. Yeah. The, the foundation and then the, um, the soft and gentle on me. Um, if I run out of those, I'm in very serious trouble. <laughs> <laughs> soft and gentle is the jam. Oh, I know it looks good on everybody. And, um, I, it is one of the things that I always have like one for me, one for my kit, one for me, yeah. one for my kit, yeah. you know, but yeah, I have those on and then, um, <laughs> this is turning into this, but I just wanted to tell you, cause I love it so much that I like to watch the dazzle shadow. I don't know if you can see it. Oh yeah. 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 I love you know that. Those? Where is it? Yes. It's like, crazy sparkles yes oh it makes my soul happy yes anyway um so we tried to do this before and the technical gods were against us and i lost power for like six hours here <laughs> i mean they were they were really coming for us not only did, did the technic work just the power went off i'm like the, oh, the whole thing you can't oh. find that no, it said, no, you guys need to do this a different day. So here we are. And uh, again, thank you for joining me on this podcast. Um, you know, during this time, I thought that it would be such a positive uh, point for people to listen to professionals that are in uh, our industry. Kind of, I made it a kind of big umbrella. I just had like the entertainment industry. Um, and I was thinking about what we talked about the other day. And I wanted to ask you about... For the makeup avenue, you know, you could have gone into it in different, uh, in, in different ways, and you kind of went into it in a more traditional beauty slash fashion uh, direction, as opposed to uh, theater or you know, um, like special effects, prosthetic land labs, those types of things. What do you think was that conscious or? Just you were drawn to the beauty side. Well, I came into beauty working for a brand. I did some freelance before, and that was maybe just a few years before I came to a brand. So when you work for a brand, especially a brand like Mac that is very ubiquitous, I've gotten to interface with a lot of different genres or areas of makeup artistry. I have done theater. Yeah, I don't work for theater. I don't do prosthetics. I can do some out of kit fun stuff, but you know, yeah. I didn't go to school for prosthetics. That wasn't my thing. I didn't want to work with chemicals <laughs> and mix stuff and you know make cast and sculpting. I really like watching other pros do that. I think it's fascinating and and what people can create. But I'm you know pretty much strictly paint and powder. So working for a brand, I've been exposed and and, and worked in a lot of different places in the industry, television. I've done some, some short 
So small films and uh, productions. And yeah, mainly fashion and beauty. Yeah. And the fashion um, side of it is very exciting, um, I think, and especially maybe for like younger makeup artists that are listening or will listen and, you know, they see Fashion Week, which obviously looks different this year. Um, but traditionally wondering like, you know, how do I how do I wind up even knowing the people to talk to, to be in fashion week and Mac is such a huge sponsor uh, for a lot of the shows. Uh, do you remember your first fashion week? Absolutely not. I mean, I've been doing, <laughs> I've been doing, I've been working backstage for fashion week, at least New York fashion week. I've been doing since 2000 for 20 years. So no, I don't, I don't remember. And I, it's not that precious to me, right? My first show, because after you do a thousand of them, it's like, oh, okay. Um, I started in 2000. My first fashion show was here in New York. That much I can tell you. I don't remember what the show was. And a few short years later, I was doing shows in the other major fashion cities as well. Uh, London, Milan, and Paris. You know, people who want to work in fashion and who want to do fashion shows, there is a sort of traditional time-honored way to get in that arena. And it's about reaching out to agencies that rep some of the more big artists who do fashion shows. So it's really important to know the players in fashion. A lot of those top makeup artists are also the players in a lot of beauty and advertising work as well. You need to know the, the, the top players. You need to know like the mid-range players. You need to know the agencies. If you want to work in fashion, it would behoove you to move to a city that has a major fashion industry. I'm not saying that other cities aren't fashionable. It's not about being fashionable. It's about where the industry and where the work is. So most top designers are based, you know, in New York, London, Paris, Milan. And even if they aren't, that's where many of them go to show because those are the pinnacle cities where you go to show your clothes for, for every season to, to sell them to buyers and to get magazines interested so that you can keep your business afloat as a designer. Well, the rest of the industry is also building up around that. A lot of the major um, representation and ad companies are also based in big cities yeah. like New York and, and Los Angeles. So if you want to work on, you know, a, a campaign for a major brand or a TV commercial, you probably want to be in one of those cities where that production happens. And then going to agencies and putting your name on their roster as a person who's available to assist. Mm. Assisting is a way a lot of freelance makeup artists will work their way through the ranks. And you can, depending on your path, it's different for everyone. I've known people who assisted for two or three years and I've known people who assisted for five or more years before they went out on their own. It just really depends on you and your journey and what your plan is and how how much go get them you have, but yeah. that's typically how it happens. You, you start by apprenticing or assisting another major, you know, artist who's already established and you do the work, you do that, that 
entry level grunt work. You keep somebody's kit and brushes clean. You help set things up for them. You keep their everything organized for them. Um, you can then sit and learn from them as they do their craft at their at their high ability. And your relationship with the, that person, it, it just depends on what the two of you build, you know. And some people might assist several different artists. Some artists don't want to share their assistance. It just really it depends on the person and the relationship that you seek out because there's no set formula for how those relationships go. But um, knowing what you want, knowing what you want to get out of it is important. And also delivering what's expected of you is very important. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that um, in my experience anyway, a lot of people don't understand what assisting is and how how much you just absorb, like you said, just from watching and learning. And they think like, oh, I just don't want to, I don't want to wash brushes and stuff. And it's so much more than that because you're seeing the protocols, how everything runs, what the etiquettes are. Like it's mm -hmm. such a, an amazing experience to have if you really embrace it and then use it to your advantage in a positive right. way as you grow as an artist. That is the price you pay, you know, washing mm -hmm. brushes and helping to maintain the key makeup artist kit and doing the things and running the errands. That's the price you pay for being able to be on set with them with some of the highest level of talented image makers in the industry. Yeah. And that, that's, that's just how it is. I mean, you, you, you have to work your way up. Some artists might have a first assistant who is their main person. They'll have a second and even a third and there are hierarchies. And if you want to work in fashion, you have to understand it. You don't just, you won't just bust into it with your great makeup skills and have everything fall into your lap. You got to get in line and you got to hustle and you got to play your position and pay your dues. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it, a lot of people don't understand that on the outset but those who do understand it and accept it and understand how that system works, get into that system and work their way up. And then they, they go on and soar. I know of several artists, like I have friends that years ago worked with Pat McGrath and assisted her and they learned some amazing creative and technical skills because Pat is one of the best makeup artists in the game. I mean, yeah. she, she's amazing. She has a huge team and you have to audition to get on her team. So you, you, you know, it's not just about your willingness to do the job. You also have to have, I think, a certain level of skill and something that she sees in you. But I've, I've known people who've worked under Pat and some who still do, and they've all gone off after years of assisting her and soared and done their own thing. It's about paying your dues. And just like in the fashion world, many designers, not all, but many designers, before they establish their own houses and their own brands, have worked yes. under other major brands to get their chops, to learn their, to really learn the business and learn their trade. So you got to pay your dues. I don't care what industry you want to go into. It's not enough just to have talent and to be flossy and amazing and have a lot of products that you can put on people. You, you have to pay your dues. And you have to learn the etiquette and the culture of that industry 
Because when you don't understand it, the etiquette language and the culture of the industry, you can really do yourself a disservice and you can um, kind of set yourself behind and, and keep yourself from achieving some things in the time frame you want. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it too, in the time frame you want. Because, you know, to, even as big as these industries are um, as a whole, each one is also smaller. So like Cirque is very, very tiny. And then you have theater land, which is very tiny and fashion and, um, you know, editorial, all of these kind of uh, offshoots and everybody knows each other. And so I think mm -hmm. it's a very important rule to remember that, you know, you don't live in a vacuum. And, and yeah. I think that there's some wonderful artists that come out of it. It's just nice to touch on that because I think that, like you said, people don't really understand how, to get there and it might not be what they want to hear is the heart, you know, it's not the easy way, but in the end, I think it gives you a lot of character and texture to your life and your um, skill set. You know, if you really want that career, if you really want that path, nothing will stop you. You, you will grow a thicker skin. You'll pick yourself up and dust yourself off when you have a, a not so great experience or when you trip and fall down uh, or make a mistake, you'll get up and you'll dust off and you'll keep moving forward and you'll ask questions and you'll, you'll listen more than you speak and learn and you'll find your way, but you've got to want it. If, and you, you've got to also understand that the people that you see in this industry that are at the top of their game and at the top of the industry, they work really hard and they have for many years they didn't just pop up at that level. They worked their way to that level. And if you want to get there, you have to do the same thing. Now, did you, um, did you work for Mac before you went to New York or did you come to New York and then how no, did I that? From, I worked for Mac before I lived in New York. And then you got to move. I always wanted to live in New York for like two years was my, I'm going to live in New York for two years. I never did. <laughs> There's almost no point moving here for just two years because it's no. going to take you two years just to, it takes the average person two years just really to acclimate to New York and the lifestyle and really kind of hit your stride and enjoy being here. And yeah. by the time you do that, if you're only here for two years, you're leaving in two really years. Nice. So, you know. You know. Yeah. Do you have a favorite part of, of New York and um, I mean, that's such a broad question, right? But are there certain parts of uh, the city or even in your neighborhood that, you know, really bring you joy on certain occasions? Yeah, living here, Central Park here in Manhattan, it's, it's everybody's backyard. You know, it's one of the biggest parks, I think, in the country probably. It's huge, you know, for a city park, for like a municipal park. And it's amazing. You can walk through Central Park a hundred times and each time you'll find a new little area that you might not have noticed before. Um, Central Park is amazing. It's a place where I think New Yorkers can go and get in nature, you know, get out of the concrete. So that's amazing. Um, I don't know. Do you hear that buzzing? Or is that just on my end? Mm-mm. There's a weird kind of buzzing happening. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> if you can't hear it, then maybe everything's good. 
amazing. I mean, New York is a is densely packed with a lot of people, a lot of places, a lot of a lot of things, a lot of culture. Just walking the streets here is an adventure and can be inspiring and fun. So, but Central Park is one of, I think, most New Yorkers, especially if you live in Manhattan, it's a favorite place to go. I love Central Park. Um, back when I was like 16, we went on a, I, my mom used to travel a lot. And so I went on a business trip with her and Bow Bridge in Central Park. Um, I was like, I'm going to get married there. I, <laughs> I was like, I want to get married there and I want to have everybody in rowboats. My mom was like, this is not a good plan. And I was like, I don't care. That's what I want. Well, I'm still not married, but um, maybe one day I'll be like, 70 and be like, I'm getting married in Bow Bridge. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. So it's just beautiful. Oh, I love it. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like during COVID, I've, I've uh, noticed that you have more and more like tutorials and things like that on Instagram live. And um, I think that your skill set is so beautiful and that the, the makeup application is so lovely because it's not, it really brings out people's beauty instead of just like caking on all of this makeup, which in certain uh, social media platforms is very popular. And so I just want to say, Hey, thank you for, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Just teaching people how to like, let's enhance your skin. Let's enhance your brows. Like you're already a beautiful person. Um, how has it been during COVID doing those? Are you finding a stride or a, a new kind of renewed creativity and making content? It's been fun. You know, I think everybody had to do a pivot when we went into quarantine and everybody, I mean, like every industry is trying to pivot. The one thing about cosmetics is it's one of those things and there are other things, but it's a thing that you can show people and not have to be in the same room with them. It's a very demonstrative mm -hmm. uh, pursuit cosmetics. So it's been fun talking about the things that I love, the products that I love, the ways that I like to use things. I'm, I'm a person who I love to share especially information and knowledge. Whenever I get some, I love to share it with other people. And I've always been that way. And that's, I think, been a great plus for me at Mac because there were always positions for people like me who like to learn, like to grow, and then who like to go on and share it with others. And so I just get to do that now on Instagram and with my followers. And I kind of can just have a bee in my bonnet about something. Maybe there's a, a product that I want to feature that I think this is amazing. I want to tell people about it, or I want, you know, to answer some questions that my followers have been putting forward to me. Like, how do we do this? You know, I want to know how, how to work on this type of eye shape or how do I do my brows, you know, and how do I do an alternative to everything else I see? And that's great. Cause I'm also, I'm also not a young person. I'm a middle-aged person. So I totally keep up with like new trends and youth trends with millennials and Gen Z, but I'm not, I'm a Gen Xer. So I also know what my generation is into and sort of how diverse we are. And then I'm also thinking about more mature ageless beauty as well, because 
we get older, we want to continue to have fun and express ourselves with cosmetics. Many of us do. And there's nothing to say that you can't still enjoy beauty and, and makeup. And it's, it's fun. You know, it can be a lot of fun to play in makeup, to discover new colors, to find that great new skin cream that's giving you life and glow and plumpness. And, you know, I think there's a, a way to speak to a lot of different people in an easy way with social media. So it's been fun. And I'm trying to use that to my advantage and to the advantage of my followers, you know? Yeah. No, it's been really fun to watch the different tutorials. And um, especially, I think, you know, it, there's a lot of makeup artists that we talk about in the professional land that they don't really know how to handle any kind of skin other than Caucasian, which is a problem if you're a professional makeup artist. And so it is also really nice to see that you're showcasing different foundations and different pigments and colors and that you don't have to cake it on. Like, you know, I just think that it's a wonderful, a wonderful delight in my day whenever I see the, that, and it's so educational to aspiring makeup art, artists as well as professional ones, just trying to up their game a little bit, you know? Yeah. And whatever, whatever a person wants to wear, there's a way to make it more beautiful and more perfected and refined. So I come from, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. And during those times, wearing full coverage foundation, wearing a really rich concealer and then setting it all with powder, that was the norm. So none of that is new. That's what people did in the seventies. That's what people did in the eighties. You, you set your foundation with a powder and you had lots of coverage. And I'm all about helping my followers and my customers and clients. Like I want to help them find the way to get that that's going to be easy and not, you know, not so laborious. But how do we get you between point A and B with the straightest line, with the with the most effective and efficient techniques and products. So if you want a lot of coverage, we can do that. But how do we make it look luxurious and amazing? Right. right. And if you want share coverage, how do I help you do that and get it to look and feel amazing so that you feel amazing in it? And that's the key, right? I mean, I feel like the psychological key to makeup uh, and even costume design and, and, and hairstyling, but especially the key to makeup is so psychological is that the end result is that want, you want to feel a certain way. And um, it's really nice to see that coming through, you know, from, from you on, on Instagram and, and showing people that aspect of it other than we're just going to try out all of these highlighters all at once and see what happens instead mm -hmm. of, no, let's whatever, try a really nice one. Whatever, whatever a person wants to wear is okay. Yeah. My job as an expert makeup artist is to help them find the best way to do it. Yeah. That's also enjoyable and, and doesn't frustrate them. So sometimes I'm translating products and techniques to make them more approachable to people who aren't makeup artists. They, they might know their way around a makeup brush, but they're like, hey, I'm not a professional like you. Make this easier for me. So that's always the, the challenge and where the excitement lies for me is, okay, how can I formulate and translate techniques 
and things that you could do to get the look you want, but not feel that you're failing or that you, oh, I'm going to mess it up. Right. Because whatever you want to wear is okay. And and that, you know, I don't judge. I love seeing people in makeup, male, female, gender neutral, all in between. Fluid. I love when people wear tons of makeup. I love when people wear a ton of makeup to make it look like there's no makeup. I just love makeup. I love the possibilities of makeup and what one can do. It's just as fascinating to me to see a woman with pull out a, a lipstick or a lip gloss and just apply that and then push her brows up with her fingers on the train as it is for me to see the woman with her makeup bag sitting on her lap and she's got her compact mirror and she's doing her blush. Then she's filling in her brows and she's doing the whole face. I think what it tells me is it just reminds me that there's something for everybody and Mm -hmm. what we each choose to do is what we each choose to tell the world about us. Cause I don't, one thing I don't necessarily like for people to do is to feel that they have to use makeup to always hide who they are. I I want them to use makeup to bring out and announce who you are. So whether that's minimal or maximal, it's really about you owning yourself and owning who you are and feeling pride in that, no matter what you look like, no matter your age, your skin tone, your gender. Yeah. Nothing. Just own yourself and be, and be secure in that finding security in that and using makeup as a tool to make you feel great. And also to pronounce that to others who meet you during the day who encounter you, whether it be strangers or people that you see all the time, you know, it's the same with clothes. I mean, we could all be wearing, you know, just sacks and, and rope around it. But there's a reason that we put a lot of creativity into clothing, into shoes, into hairstyles, because it's a way that we communicate something about ourselves. Yeah, it's so true. Absolutely. Is there, um, you know, so the first time we went through this, we kind of did a little bit more background. and so I'm like, oh, we already talked about that, but we didn't, not really for this. But it is interesting listening to you talk about watching the application of things and the differences between stuff, um, because we'll back up a little bit for our viewers and listeners um, that you uh, are an artist by in the beginning, right? Wasn't that that? Uh, that your, your love of art and that translated into you into doing makeup. And it is interesting to see how that still, you know, it still translates watching people, how they apply things and how people um, make art on their face is still something that's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's back up a little bit. Uh, Tell me a little bit about uh, your foray getting into makeup. I had a good friend at that at that time in my life who really suggested the obvious to me. I've, I've always loved makeup. I've always loved fashion and beauty. Even as a little kid, like a little, little kid, three, four years old, I was getting on the dresser, getting my mom's makeup, sneaking and playing in it. And what I didn't know then is that 
she always knew that I was getting in her stuff. <laughs> but I think she was, she was fascinated because I didn't destroy her makeup as a three or four year old. Like she didn't come in and go, oh my God, like, and there's lipstick all over the place and all over my clothes. And the lipstick is maybe all chopped up. No, I, I respected the makeup and I didn't want her to know I was playing in it. So I tried to keep things neat, but I would try to make myself look like Lena Horne who I'd see in these old black and white movies. And for those who don't know, Lena Horne was an actress or an actor. I prefer to say actor mm -hmm. in the uh, early 20th century, early to mid 20th century. She was a black woman. Gorgeous. She was a great beauty. And I would see her in these films and I just thought she was so deliciously beautiful. And I loved how her lipstick was painted on and how her face was contoured. And I would try to mimic that on my face. So I've always loved it. And I've always loved drawing, painting, crafting, making things. So it's it's not a surprise to me that I became a makeup artist. It's, it's a surprise to me, I guess, that it took me as long as it did. <laughs> so a good friend pointed this out to me uh, when I was in my, my mid twenties and I had taken a I'd taken some time off from college and was deciding to go back. And she sort of dissuaded me from going back to college because she knew that I had this passion that just was natural for me. And she was like, make a career out of that. I said, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Because that makes sense. <laughs> makeup is everywhere. Makeup is at, you know, if you watched political debates, those politicians have makeup artists the males and the females, yeah. every television commercial, there's makeup artists working. Every movie you watch, if you sit in a bus shelter and there's an ad with people in it, a makeup artist worked on that project and got paid and makeup artists, you know, and I was like, yeah, makeup artists are out there. They're kind of like the hidden, but obvious thing, but it's something I love. And there are a lot of different genres to choose from. So maybe you want to work in movies. Maybe you want to work in television. Um, Maybe you want to work in fashion and beauty and editorial there, you know, or do you want to do commercial? Because I had friends that did a lot of catalog work and they were doing really well. And I'm like, there's places for me to work as a makeup artist. I can do this. So, and I'm happy and it makes me happy to put makeup on people. And it makes me happy to have a, a really valid excuse to buy a crap ton of makeup. <laughs> to build a kit like that's, not just for myself, but I have an excuse now to buy makeup because I have to buy makeup for my kids. So it was all the things I wanted to do that I could turn into a career. So <laughs> drawing and painting is just, you know, we're still drawing and painting as artists, whether you do special effects and, and, and you also might do some sculpting. The same understanding of, I think, aesthetics applies whether you design makeup for faces or whether you design a beautiful chair for a home or whether you design the exterior of an automobile, you're still considering proportion, you're considering color, texture, shape, all of those things. So being able to play with those things on a face is just, to me, it's, it never gets old, never gets boring. No, right. I was explaining this to somebody the other day about how you can be like, I'm going to do a smoky eye on 10 different people today, but you have 10 different, it's never the same experience because their skin is different. Their eye shape is different. Their texture is different. Their personality is different in your chair. Like 
So it's, it never, ever gets old. Never. Um, never. Really. You might be a super blender that day. And then the next day you're like, well, I'm not blending anything today very well. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but when it works, you're like, oh my gosh, I blended that so beautiful. Like, oh, it's such a moment of. And think about that, that, that topic of a smoky eye there, that is such a broad topic. Oh yeah. How to approach a smoky eye. Cause you can, you can do a smoky eye with one pencil and a brush, or you could do a smoky eye with a palette. There's so many ways to approach it. Uh, just based on what you want the end result to be and how much time you have to spend on it. And the relative definition of the person sitting, I learned very early on, somebody said, oh, I want a smoky eye. So I just busted out like a, I mean, crazy dark 1920s, like, and they flipped out. They were like, and so now I say, why don't you send me like two or three pictures of what you feel a smoky eye is. So we're on the same page because yeah, they might just want a little smudge. And that is yes. plenty. Um, and then every once in a while you have the person that's like, no, I want like a smoky more. eye. You want more. But it's mm -hmm. very relative. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is because there's so many ways to, mm -hmm. to wear a smoky eye. Yeah. I do love a smoky eye. I feel like as I've gotten older, my eyes water a little bit more. Me too. Like, Me too. I don't know what that is. It's very annoying when I want to wear a smoky eye though. I know, especially when I want a line in my water line and my eye won't stop watering and then it gets that little ball spot out here on the corner. <laughs> oh, that makes me so annoyed. Cause I'm like, I don't want you to do that. I want my eyes to be the way they used to be where I could put anything on them and they didn't water. But I yeah. Know. I know we're getting older. It's okay. Yeah. We're just still as fabulous. It's fine. I find, I found where I, like I find my little workarounds. <laughs> Do you have any uh, favorite? I mean, my favorite products change almost monthly, sometimes weekly when I'm really in the thing. Do you have anything that is like you're obsessed with at the moment? Um, I really believe in our eye coals at Mac. They're these mm. beautiful creamy pencils that you can line your eye and define, but if you want to smudge, you can smudge. So they, they're pencils, but they can act like a creamy eyeshadow. And I love using those to layer my powdered shadows on top of. Mm. I'm a bit, I just, I'm nuts about one called feline because it is the absolute blackest black. And you, oh. I don't know if I have a little bit of it smudged in my upper lash line. You might, you might be able to see oh, it yeah. because there's a, person with brown skin, sometimes the regular black liners, they look a little dusty on me mm -hmm. and on the skin tone. So I want it to look rich. I love feline pencil. I never buy fewer than like two of them at a time because I all I use yes. it faithfully and I go through them and I always want to have one in the hatch from when I run out. Um, and I just love how I can smudge it and then something shimmery like your your um I like to watch shadow oh. glaze that on top and it just looks like this magical creation. I really love it. I'm a big I'm a big fan of layering, especially with eye makeup, 
of layering creams first mm. and powders over them because I love how it makes creams make the powders pop more in color and texture, but then they give this really beautiful skin-like look to everything. You yes. know, they're creams. And I love layering creams and powders together. That's a big thing for me. So whether it's a pencil or whether it's in a palette, I love my creamy textures. Um, I also love right now, I've been really jammed with, we have this new plumping, glossy lip product called, um, oh gosh, why did I forget the name? Hold on, I have it right here. It comes in different colors, but I have this color. This is my go-to. It's called Power Glass. Power Glass Plumping Lip Gloss. It comes in, I don't know, like 12 or 14 colors. They're nudes, they're brights, they're neutrals. It feels so good. It feels cushiony and amazing. It's not sticky. And it has a little tingle. So, you know, you feel like your lips are plumped up just a little bit. You know, it really maximizes what what you got. And I, I like my lips. I don't have luscious, great, nice lips. So they're okay. I like them, but I, I like more. So I use this. What is it called again? It's called Power Glass. Power Glass. I'm going to have to, because mine too, I need a little... A little smoochy. Oh, that's cute. Is this part of like a limited? No, it's not um, limited. And let me show you the applicator. This is another thing I love about it because it's got this like squiggly S-curve applicator that hugs your lip. <laughs> Can you see that? Yeah. So it just, I already have something on, but uh, look, it just hugs your lip. You just turn it in. Uh... <laughs> so it feels so good. And it smells good. Oh, uh, and it's okay. not sticky. So I know I'm a lip glass lover. I don't care about it being sticky. I know some people love lip glass and we like the stickiness. We look, that's how I know it's staying in place. But for people who don't want that feeling and they want something that feels more lightweight and balmy, this is amazing. I love the. I'm going to get that one because. I don't like the sticky as much just because my hair at Vegas was so windy uh -huh. that it would get stuck. And I was like, and then you have like the line of, so that might be my you jam. Got the hair you have to try this then. You'll okay. love it. You will love it because it, it feels balmy. I love it. Feels it. balmy. Mm. <laughs> Even on top of the lip glass, it feels nice. And it's got that like fresh, cool, minty feel on the lips. Oh. So I'm really digging those. Like that's a new product that came out a few months ago. Feline we've had for years and it's my jam. And um, yeah, you know, I have like, when it comes to color, it changes. Cause I just get different moods. I get different things, but I will say um, the art library palettes, yeah. especially for any up and coming artists that are out there and you, you want to build a kit and you want to have a nice comprehensive collection of eyeshadow colors that you can use as you should on a lot of different skin tones on a lot of different style types and profiles, get art library, definitely get nude model and get flamboyant. And then when you're ready to start building like colorful pops of color, then go ahead and get the uh, it's designer with the three of those, you can function well as a makeup artist. And do anybody's makeup and get a lot of different styles. Those and a few good pencils. 
and you're rolling. And then of course you can add, you know, singles and customize your own palette at Mac too, which I highly recommend because, you know, customization is always fun. Yes. And um, it's a great way to add to some of the things that you have that you love, but that, you know, you, you need to supplement. So we've got those. I'm a big believer in our pro palettes. The pro palettes are great. I, um, gosh, we used to get, uh, the, oh my God, wait, the back to max. Uh, mm -hmm. we had so much product at Ka that we would take stuff in, um, and do back to max. And so it was really great. Cause I got to find a lot of new shadows and stuff. So we started mm -hmm. to buy the palettes, uh, and then pop them out because you couldn't get the back to max that were refilled. So we would just pop them out. Yeah. And it's been really fun though, because I've, I've pulled some new ones. I have like a little studio set up here and I forgot about like sumptuous olive. Oh, love it. Ah, right. A beautiful shimmering. It's like a beautiful, looks beautiful like taffeta, that shimmer that you get on taffeta. There you go. You can kind of see the color. Yeah. It's like the perfect olive shade and, and it looks good on everybody i don't care if you're fair porcelain skin i don't care if you're deep rich ebony or anywhere in between i've used that color i've used some juice olive on every skin tone it looks amazing on everybody it's so and that would be amazing on top of like the coal liner oh my gosh yeah, yeah. i might have to play with some makeup tonight <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one that um, we really had to nail down was uh, the fluid line, the black track. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mac was officially Cirque sponsor. Right. It might still have been at the end. We used a mix between Mac and Ben Nye on mm -hmm. our uh, show, which is how I met Fatima. If people are like, how do you know her? Um, she was so gracious and came out uh, and did a workshop for us um, at the Cirque Training Center. We would and come out. We would actually come out to Vegas once a year and do trainings for the Cirque team. Yeah, I don't know. That year, I was like, I'm going to this, and it was so fun and so informative. And so when I started doing uh, behind the biz, my one of my pivots over quarantine. Um, I was like, I want to talk to Fatima. I want to rack her brain and see, you know, what's going on over there. Um, but this product, Natalie Gagne, uh, our designer is obsessed with. Um, I think it would be okay for me to say that because it's in all of her makeups and the fluid line. Yes. Track. Yes. And uh, so learning when I train people on how to use this in any way and like doing little and then blending it with the eyeshadow and moving it really quickly. Cause it, you know, it does dry so quick, but this is such a go-to for weddings. And I mean, if I'm like, you can cry and this is not going to go anywhere. It's fine. It's great. So for people who don't know fluid line is a, a gel liner that comes in a jar, comes in a little jar. It's long wearing. It comes in, a few colors. I don't remember every color, but I know yeah. it comes in black. It comes in brown. I think and it doesn't have like a navy or something. I think so. I'm not sure what we still... I can I can check while we're talking. And it's great with different brushes. The brush that you mm -hmm. use with will determine the type of line you get. So if you want, of course, a really sharp, clean graphic line, you want to use a liner brush 
or an angled brush. It's also good if you want to smudge it out, which I like it with like a smudging or pencil brush. Like at Mac, we have one called the 219. It's like a pencil that, like a smudger. Um, we also make a product that's similar to it. I would say it's sort of the, the, if not the sister, the cousin to fluid line. It's called Chromaline Gel yeah. Liners. Those are available um, on our website. They're a Mac Pro product. So imagine if you could get that gel liner in a blue, a red, a yellow, a cyan, and a magenta, as well as black and white, and some of your secondary colors too, like orange and uh, purple and green. So you could have a set of artist colors that wow. use to mix and customize your own colors. So those are also available lines, which like I said, they're, if they're not the, if they're the sister, if not the cousin to fluid lines. And fluid, that makes sense. Line, fluid line still comes in a violet. It still comes in a deep, like a deep kind of charcoal gray, which that one it's called yeah. snack. I use that one sometimes to fill in my brows because oh. I'm, I know a lot of people, my complexion and with dark hair will use a dark brown, but I actually prefer a soft black to fill in my brows. And yeah, we still have the deep brown and we still have the chocolate brown. Mm. And that violet is gorgeous, but you can, you can check them out at the Mac site. I'm going to check out the chroma, chroma. What did you say? Chroma line? Chroma lines. Yeah. Chroma line. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I'm always wanting to build up um, the customizable things and you know, if you are wanting to be a makeup artist, learn your color theory because it will get you everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that sounds amazing just to have like another set of of, of colors like that. Um, I want to ask you some kind of fun questions that don't necessarily have anything to do with uh, with any of any of this. But um, one of them that I found very interesting is if you could have dinner. Uh -huh. with anyone and some people are like i need like three people so that's fine um living or gone who would it be who would you sit down and have a <laughs> i could have dinner with three any three people oh boy i haven't thought about this question in years nobody's asked me this in years right? um the first person that comes to mind is Henry Cavill, honey, because he's so cute. I would definitely love to have dinner with him. Um, and maybe nobody else. Maybe just me and Henry. Um, two other people that I would love to, I'm going to slide over um, a little bit. Two other people. Huh. Henry Cavill. He's so gorgeous. Oh, I would love to have dinner. Oh, gosh. And then, and then there's like, okay, so only three. Hmm. I mean, you can have a dinner party if you want, but <laughs> but three. But that's the magic of a question. You, you have to limit and choose wisely. Um, I would love to have dinner with Viola Davis, Mahershala Ali, and Henry Cavill. This would be a very yummy <laughs> and lovely dinner party. Yeah, because I, I, I find acting very fascinating that, that a person, that their craft could be to inhabit another identity for a while and then convince the rest of us of that identity 
in order to tell us a story. That's very fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. go back to their, there's, um, do you watch The Good Doctor? Do you know what no, I'm no, but um, I'm familiar with it. It's the uh, Freddie Highmore, right? Yeah, it's the, yeah, and he is the uh, autistic Mm -hmm. doctor and i've watched him you know in august rush and some other movies and he's absolutely not that character at all and so but watching mm -hmm. him i'm like he's i mean just amazing it can yeah. never breaks he never does anything and uh it's just fascinating i feel you on that 100 um yeah oh okay so that's a fabulous dinner party. Now, if you could live anywhere in the world, money is not an option. And some people wouldn't want to live there, but they want to have an extended sabbatical uh, to whatever this place is. Where would you park yourself? Where I am. I live where I want to live. And I don't have a lot of, a lot of money. So this is where I want to live. I think I've always wanted to live in New York, even when I was a little kid and I came yeah. here for the first time to visit family there was something really um, fascinating and just th this, this city. I think I knew, I think I knew I was coming to New York at some point in my life, I would be here. Um, so yeah, I live where I want to live now. I would like to live, if I, if money was no object, my living situation in New York would be very different than what it is now. Um, it would be a, a, a bit more highbrow, but <laughs> I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. Is there any place that you've ever wanted to visit on like vacation that you've never uh, gone yet? I would, I've never been to Japan. I would love to go to Japan. I would love to visit uh, Tokyo, Kyoto and different places in the countryside. I would like to go to Australia. Uh, I've never been to Australia. I've been to New Zealand, but not Australia. I'd like to go to Ghana and oh. the other, um, nations in, in West Africa, because I know that's where my ancestors are from. So I'd like to go explore those areas and get in touch with my roots. And I've been a lot of the other places I've wanted to go. So, you know, I think I'd like to go to Seoul too, South Korea. Oh yeah. That would be very interesting. Japan is always, uh, it was never on my list. And then some friends went there on tour and all of their photos looked fake. And I was like, where are you? It's so gorgeous. Like, I was really shocked um, by how stunning the countryside was in particular. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I really love about Japan is their packaging. Mm. They have, like, the cutest, most thought, thoughtful and intentional packaging mm -hmm. that I've ever seen. So I'm like, I want to go there and have, like, an amazing time and have cute little packages and things and tied, you know, <laughs> their makeup and everything is just always, here's some soap with like an amazing ribbon on top. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, I love that. Um, before we go, I cannot believe it's already been almost an hour, which is crazy. Um, before we go, do you find that there is a certain motto or phrase that you live by or say to yourself a lot um especially i guess now while we're kind of in a weird moment in history but something that helps you affirm where you are and where you're going hmm 
you're asking the deep questions. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think first and foremost, what is it? The doctor's credo do no harm. I think, I think we can all embrace that to live by, you know, do no harm. And, um, really just let love and i don't mean uh, i don't mean love in the in the more basic terms of affection i mean a higher more sort of philosophical love the love that is love your enemy love your neighbor love thyself um let love be your compass and i think if all of us try to do that. We, we can do better in every area of our life and in and, and in society too. Um, those are the things that I just, that's what I live by, you know, and it's not always easy because, you know, people, sometimes we can try each other, you know, we can push each other. We can try each other in very negative ways and things happen. Um, and I'm not particularly a religious person, but I do believe in a lot of spiritual tenets. And I, I think that, you know, love one another is one of the most important things that we can, one of the most important phrases we can embrace, but what that really means. I don't have to like you to love you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the lesson that I don't have to agree with you to love you, but love is about respecting your life, respecting your existence and um, cherishing it. Even if I don't really get down with you like that, yeah. you know, respecting, respecting that. So respecting you, you know, your right to live as you see fit. And I think everybody should be able to live as they see fit. So long as you don't stand on anybody else's foot, do harm, or block anyone else's path, you know, do you, but don't keep someone else from doing them because you either don't understand it or don't agree with it. It's not your business. So maybe the biggest thing we could all live by is like, mind your business. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. No, I think that that's, I think that that's great. Um, and it's definitely something I'll try and remind myself of sometimes when patience is a little, a little short, I'll come back and, and think about what you've said. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on here. It was so lovely to talk to you. It was good to catch up with you. I'm glad you're doing well and doing your thing and you've made your pivots and, you know, anytime you'd like to chat, I'm around. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Um, if anybody wants to follow Fatima on Instagram, there is her fabulous Instagram. I encourage you to do so because her tutorials are lovely along with your other content. It's very inspirational and motivating. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we'll keep our eyes out for you. Um, yeah. You have a wonderful, wonderful day and then just hang on. I'm going to end the broadcast and we'll say our goodbyes. So okay. thanks for joining everybody. Subscribe to Behind uh, the Biz on Instagram and Academy MWD. And we'll see you next time. Here we go. We'll just in this. <laughs>